Once again this week, peace has been shattered. You go to work and you're going to have a Christmas party and everything changes. You say goodbye to a husband or a wife or a, a family member or a friend and you don't see him again in this world at least. And you try to find some peace and unless you look to God, you can't. And yet the greatest thing about our God is that he offers us deep peace beyond what any circumstances or any people could ever rob us of. And that's what we're talking about today. Jesus is our peace. And we learned last week when Steve taught us about hope, and if we tether our hope like a rock climber does to something unstable and unsure, we will constantly be rattled because the thing that shakes and that person that shakes or that government we're placing hope in or anything else that we tether to and think it's going to be stable will disappoint us and we fall apart. And we need something much more sturdy than that. And Christ is the unchanging God who came into this world to be our hope and to be the Prince of Peace. And He is. And He reigns right now at the throne, the right hand of the Father. The sovereign God can protect and offer His peace to us, and He does that today. And we're going to look at just a few scriptures that should lock that in in your heart so that your mind and your heart can be protected by the peace that you've been given as a gift. So... Check out the screen. You can open your Bibles or get on your Bible apps. And we're going to look at Isaiah 9, 6 is what we read earlier. And my first point is this, that Jesus came into a chaotic world as the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So 700 years before Christ was born, there was this great hope that was prophesied that peace would finally come. And as they were experiencing, even in those years of the different empires and the Roman Empire when Christ was born, that there wasn't peace and that the people of God were really in captivity in the Roman Empire and being limited in how they could praise God. And they were struggling with this lack of peace in their world. And really, if you took any swath of human history, you would see these wars that would break out and the, you know, the distrust that would happen between leaders and governments and nations and empires. And you would see even nations that started out righteous would end up unrighteous and go the wrong direction away from God and his laws and end up in complete chaos and evil and darkness. But God watched all this as he created us in his own image and said it right at the beginning, we just messed it up, right? And we ran from God and didn't obey God and sin entered the world and it plagues us today. And it really doesn't matter what part of human history you look at and surely today you see that there just isn't peace that the world gives. In fact, it's the opposite. Everything that seems to happen around us on a large scale or even on a small scale seems to tell us that we just can't find peace here. But get this, in this verse, we're told that the king of creation, the almighty God of heaven, sent his son, the heavenly prince, God himself in the person of his son to bring us peace. So he always had a plan for peace. He knew we'd run into trouble and lack peace. He knew it would turn to chaos. And yet he gave us free will. We turned it into chaos. But he said, I have compassion for this world and for people. 
for the sheep that have gone astray, even his own people that have gone astray. And we're told that this prince would be sent to this world so that we could have this great gift of peace, even though all around us there isn't peace. And did you pick that up? Actually, I got to read the verse first, sorry. It's in Luke chapter 2. He talks about this piece. Luke chapter 2, verse 13. We see this original Isaiah's prophecy fulfilled when Christ came. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. It's an incredible thought to think that day when Christ was born, the angels were erupting in praise and in glory. They literally couldn't contain themselves, singing glory to God in the highest. How many there were, we don't know. A multitude, thousands upon thousands of revelations, millions upon millions, of the heavenly host surrounding God as the day of God came in Christ where he was born into this world so that people with whom God was pleased could have peace. When you place your faith in God that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him and you understand that you've got to come to God the Father through the Son, Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. But you do come to God the Father and you do come through Christ and you ask him to forgive your sin and be your savior and your Lord and leader. Then everything changes and peace is given to that person, right? He came to those that had faith to bring his peace. He brought it to the whole world, but you have to express your faith in him and receive that peace. The angels were pretty excited that the day had come. They had watched with God the chaos that, is in, that had ensued generation after generation in this world. The peace was finally sent in the sun. And you remember Jesus in John chapter 16 guarantees a couple things as he's speaking to his disciples and those that followed him. He said, in this world, you're going to have what? In this world, you're going to have tribulation, but in me, you may have peace. I'll read it actually in order. In me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. People lose heart when they don't have peace. The trouble and tribulation and trials of the world rob peace, make the human heart very anxious and fearful. And of course, God knew that. That's why he said, trust me and obey me. Adam and Eve didn't in the garden. Sin gets passed on to us. We don't, but Christ still loves us. He came as the Prince of Peace so that our hearts could be at peace because he said, I've overcome the world. So he guaranteed that the world would always have trouble and tribulation. Now, we're not in heaven yet. In heaven, there's no more trial and tribulation and disease and sin and heartache and disappointment and tears. That's taken away. That's judged. That's taken away. It's all of God's people that love him in the glory of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit forever. Enjoying the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. It's going to be unbelievable. But on this side of heaven, Jesus said, don't have the wrong expectation. This world's always going to have trouble and tribulation. But you can also guarantee the fact that if you place your faith in me, you can have peace. The world guarantees trouble. Jesus guarantees peace. No one can escape trouble in the world. It burdens the heart and the soul. It causes great despair, discouragement, fear, hopelessness. It causes people to do all measure of things because they don't look to God for their peace. 
It causes them to take out their anger, their disappointment on others. It causes them to seek crazy, murderous ideologies. It causes them to do anything except look to God, the one place they can find their peace. Jesus said, I've come to give you peace because I've overcome the worst of the world's sin. And so you and I don't have to live with a burdened heart. Jesus came into a chaotic world as the Prince of Peace. Secondly, Jesus offers his peace to every human heart. Ephesians 2.17 says, And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Jesus had a primary message, didn't he? He said a lot of things, and he gives us all truth by which we can live and glorify him and please him and have his blessing. But he had one primary message to solve our primary problem. That was a sin problem that keeps us separated from God. It's making us feel distant from him because we're plagued with guilt. We have burdens. We don't have that peace and we try to strap it on or solve it ourselves in a multitude of ways. And it just actually drive us, drives us deeper into anxiety and fear. But Jesus came preaching peace to meet the greatest problem of the human heart that we would be able to have peace with God because our sin was forgiven. So really, we're violent against God in our sin. We live wayward. We don't live by his laws or his ways. We don't love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And people throughout all generations have been that way, but that's why he had to come because we made a mess of it with God and with each other. And he said, I'm going to solve all that. And I'm going to solve it through a person and I'm going to solve it through the message of peace that my son, the prince, is going to bring. What an incredible hope we have. And what a provision, what a gift. So the pattern of the garden can be broken in you and me when we turn to Christ. Look at this verse in Romans 5, 1 that says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's because he justified, made us right, because we placed our faith in him. That prophecy that we read from Isaiah 9 at the, during our worship time, you know, he would bring justice and righteousness. And through Jesus, he brought it in a person. And that person of justice and righteousness went to a cross and he gave it all up so you could be free. So we don't have to worry about our unrighteousness and our lack of justice. So our heart can actually be at peace and then we can extend it to other people. But he says it all comes when we're justified by placing our faith in Christ. Then we have peace with God the Father. And when we're at peace with God the Father, it affects everything in our life. We're not so freaked out when someone else gets the parking spot at the mall. We have a little more patience when things aren't adding up or what they said was 70% off isn't when you get to the counter. It's only 30% off. But you saw the sign that said 70% off. And they said, well, yeah, it's the pink polka dotted one thing over there that no one's bought that 70% off. Like the things that throw our peace or the relationship just got so twisted and so weird because they didn't get invited or someone's angry and all of that, whether it's big things or small things, we find in our world our peace is so unstable. In Christ, we can have stable peace. In Christ, we can have something that doesn't change, in fact, just grows deeper and deeper and deeper. 
and it starts to impact everyone around us. When you're at peace, your wife or husband knows it. And when you're not, they know it. <laughs> your kids know it. Your parents know it. Your coworkers know it. Your neighbors know it. It's actually something you can't hide when you're actually at peace in a crazy world when darkness and events happen. Instead of being just like everyone else to say, yeah, I'm freaked out or oh, I'm fearful or oh, it could happen. Boy, it's San, San Bernardino, it could happen right. Instead of living with that fear, you say, I'm trusting God and I'm, boy, I'm praying more and I'm praying for those families. And you look so different to a world that's responding in their own strength and in their own flesh without God in the picture. So we have a great opportunity when we experience in our own heart the peace of God to be able to share that with the world. Now Jesus, this was huge for him as he was sharing with the disciples. In fact, after his resurrection, so they were freaking out in the garden. You remember, actually they were sleeping, but they were freaking out when Jesus was taken and arrested. They split and left him alone. Jesus went to the cross alone with the presence of the Holy Spirit and the Father, but he went alone. He took our sin on himself and he answered that basic problem of our separation from God because of sin. He paid for it on our behalf. He wiped the debt clean. But he was reminding them after his resurrection, he said, peace be with you. He said it three times to his disciples on different occasions because he understood that the world for them was not going to get easier but harder, right? What was coming their way? Heavy persecution. In fact, they would all give their life for Christ other than the apostle John who actually was put on the Isle of Patmos, exiled there. The rest gave their life for Christ. He understood that what they were facing was greater tribulation, more trouble, and persecution. And he said, the way they treated me is the way they're going to treat you. But I want you guys to be at peace. You were freaked out before and you left me. You're forgiven. Now you're going to go out into the world, but be at peace because I've overcome the world and I go with you. That same message is given to you and me. Go out into the world. I've overcome the world. And you have my peace. And when the world doesn't, you can point them to Christ so they can have peace too. He was always about peace. In fact, it's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and the rest of the fruit, right? But peace is so important that when the Holy Spirit is reigning in your life, you actually are peaceful. When work is reigning, when your health situation is reigning, when that person you know, and the trouble with that person is raining when you're being eaten up by your past. That's what's raining. But when the peace of Christ is raining and ruling in your heart, it's a pretty amazing thing to experience and then to witness. The Holy Spirit brings that about as we co-labor with him, right? And even Paul in his prayers, as he sends out these letters to the different churches that he planted in, all the, in the Roman Empire, he kept praying that they would experience God's peace. Not just know about it. This wasn't just an intellectual thing. But you're using your brains right now as you hear my words and it's going into your ears, into your brain. You're thinking about what I'm actually saying and that's great because our minds are supposed to be renewed by the power of God's word, right? As our minds are renewed, it shouldn't stop there. It should go south 18 inches and change our heart. The seat of our emotions and our decision making. If it doesn't get there, it's not doing you any good. You've discovered that, Right? If it doesn't get here, it's not doing you any good. It doesn't work to be able to tell someone else, oh, you should have peace, or I've understood peace, or 
Gordy talked about peace at church. It's only until you embrace it at a heart level that it does you any good at all. So when the conversation comes up, you're at peace. So when there, you get a different reaction from that person, you can be at peace. So when something goes south at work, you have a stable peace in your heart to respond and not react. It's got to be experiential and daily. It can't stop just in our head and in our understanding. It's got to work its way out. What God works in, he said, with fear and trembling, we should work out. What he's working in, the reminder of his peace, the Holy Spirit to bring about that fruit of peace in your life, the fact that you know you're walking with the Prince of Peace into a chaotic world, or maybe a great week, or maybe just a weird situation at the store, or maybe just a trouble at home, or may, whatever it is, up, down, or all around, or big or small, you're just walking with the Prince of Peace, and he knows what you need. And he's trying to stabilize your heart so you can respond, and so that you can share his peace with other people. And it's amazing what that does to change your pace, too. When you have God's peace, it changes your pace. You know why people oftentimes run pretty frazzled and really fast in this world? Because when you slow down, you get nervous. A lot of people don't want to slow down. They'd rather have chaos and noise and a TV and music or a conversation or be on texting all the time, literally every waking moment. And if they could manage somehow to text in their dreams, that would even be better. But I mean, literally, we're, we're hyper into communication and noise and knowledge and knowing and talking and hearing and judging and criticizing and assessing and hearing again and another message and soundbite. And if you can shorten that, that'd be great because I have to get this other thing that's shortened. You could just, I wish I had time to, like, we do this without even realizing it. We're doing this all day long. Like, can you hurry up in the conversation? Can you hurry up in line? Can you hurry up at home? Can you stop being so annoying? Just hurry up. Get past your annoying self right now and give me helpful stuff. Like, we're just like that. And frankly, we got to have our headphones on. We, we can't just chill. It's really hard. I'm with you. But when we can relax in the Lord to be still and know that he's God... That changes how you respond to all these other situations. You're a responder rather than a reactor. Which one are you? How often do you feel like you have the Holy Spirit whispering in your ear about what to do or say? Or, you know what, you just need to not respond to that right now. You need to pray. Or instead of getting angry, you need to seek more information or ask a question or do something loving. The only way you can hear the Holy Spirit's still small voice is if your heart is at peace and still before this mighty God. Through his son Jesus, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the direction of his word to actually be a person of peace, to be a son or a daughter of the prince of peace. And it does change everything. So you live from a place of peace. You don't live to acquire the peace. Does that make sense? The world says you have to acquire peace and you have to pay dearly for the peace. I mean, literally, you, you have to pay to get peace, get massages, get time, get vacations, get this, pull the word. Just You have to purchase it. You have to get to it. Maybe you can acquire it and it's really elusive. So try to hold on to it. And Jesus said, no, you're always going to have trouble and tribulation and trial in this world. You can't block it out. You can't busy your mind and with more noise. The only way you can find peace is to seek it from God 
and he settles your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus, right? It's protected. He actually puts a sentry, if you will, a guard over your mind and heart so you can stay at peace. If I asked you to make a list of the things that are creating chaos in your world, could you fill the half sheet? Could you? Could you say, oh, yeah, that situation, yeah, well, they're, they're yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, that one, yeah. There's no way that's ever going to change. Yeah, we're just going to live with that forever. And you just feel like there's not really a hope that you can be a person of peace and extend it. But by the power of his Holy Spirit, based on the promises of his word, you and I can be people of peace. And sometimes it's the big peace things. It's those things where, wow, if God could give me peace with that, that would be so huge. And other times it's the little peace, little pieces. The, well, why was she late? Well, why didn't he call? Why did he say that? I wonder what he meant by that. Or that was really lame. That was dumb. Well, why was that? Yeah, I hate that too. Yeah, you do too. Yeah, I do. Let's hate that together. Let's, oh, that was stupid. That's what, like the little things. And then uh, why did she take the spot? I obviously had my blinker on. Why is she late? Why are they this? Why didn't I get invited? Why did you pick that tree? Why that ornament? I thought we both decided we hated that ornament. All right. You see what I mean? Like little things constantly. And, and then events, big things happen that kind of just throw it all into a big mess. Okay, you get the point. Whether it's big stuff or little stuff, the enemy in this world will try to steal your peace and God wants it to be a gift that you embrace and you celebrate. And, and this is our third point, and that you extend to other people. This is where it really gets fun, you guys, is when you've experienced it and you know it and it's changing you, then you're capable. You have the empowering of God's truth and his word to extend it to others. But only until then. So that's our third point. Jesus empowers us to extend his peace to others. We cut a couple of verses from Romans chapter 12. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Those are calls to action, aren't they, you guys? When you look at those verses, just grab onto it and say, Jesus is inviting me to experience his power as a person of peace, extending it to situations and people where there isn't peace. It's easy to think we're extending peace to people that are already at peace. Your best friend's here? You give them 15 hugs, share a donut, laugh, tell the latest joke, and talk about the Packers win. You do that all day long, right? Like, yeah, that's easy. That's easy for all of us. What's not easy is what they don't like me, and I pretty much don't like them. They're annoying. They're the one in the family that everyone knows. They're the neighbor. Everyone knows. They're the person at work. Everyone knows. is real pain. That's when it requires the almighty power of God. You want to know if you're a person of peace? Think about those people in those situations and say, Lord, am I extending peace to them? Am I stepping out in faith? And as far as it depends on me, my side, my choice, just me, not thinking about that person, that situation, just me, am I pursuing peace? Have I done something to upbuild them? Am I pursuing it? Is it an active verb in my own life? Not as someone else doing it toward me. Could sit back all day long and wait for others. I just heard last night, two family members Not your distant family, yeah, whatever, so you know. Um, one person said one thing to the other. She's now in her 80s, I think. 
or she wasn't her 80s, she's now died. One thing was said at one time, one situation, they stopped talking for 20 years. That's it, done. Do you know any situations like that? Where all it takes is one comment, one action, one, they blew it, that's it, write them off. Do you know how many families are fractured because people won't forgive and they don't have peace in their own heart, so they can't extend it? If you're a person of peace, because you've been invaded by the peace and love and forgiveness of Christ, you have to answer that for yourself. Has that happened in your life? If not, reach out to Christ today and let him invade you with his love and forgiveness. If that's happened, and you say, well, no, I know that's happened. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm his son or his daughter. The prince of peace has changed my heart. Okay, if you're a follower of Christ, now you have the ability to extend, and actually you're commanded to extend that peace to others. We don't have the right to hold the peace in. We don't have the right to hold the compassion or love or forgiveness of Christ in. We literally, you cannot say before it, I won't forgive them, but you will forgive me. Jesus said it in his prayer. This is how you pray. Father, forgive me as I forgive others. You can, only, you can only experience the love and forgiveness of Christ if you forgive others. If not, it's not a reality in your life. It just isn't. We have to square with that. If you're saying you've forgiven, if you're saying you've understood his peace, if you're saying you know the hope and the king of hope, and you have a relationship with the God of the universe who's reigning and ruling right now, who sent his son into this world so you can have that peace, then you are called into mission. You are called to action. The action is to extend his peace to others where there is not peace. That gets gnarly, right? Anyone admit that with me? Is there anything harder than giving an olive branch of peace to a person that maybe for years you couldn't stand? You're so upset with. They really did something wrong. And yes, they really did. And before God, they really did. Just like you and I really do toward others. And we hurt them, and we sin against them, and we sin against God. But we're forgiven, we say. And we've received it, we say. And if we have, we have. But then he says, now I want to send you out as peacemakers. I want you to pursue peace, and as far as it depends on you, you offer the olive branch. But what happens if the other person doesn't receive the olive branch? What do you do then? Three words. So you're pretty sure, you don't know for sure, but you're pretty sure they're not going to respond kindly. They're not going to say, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm sorry too. Hug, hug, kiss, kiss. Let's go out to eat. What if you think that's not going to happen? What do you do? Three words. Do it anyway. No, 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 no. You have no clue what you're, you have no idea. This has gone on for years. Everyone in the family knows. Oh, they're this type of person. There's no way to count on how they're going to respond. You go in faith, and as far as it depends on your half, not their response, your response to God, because he's filled you with his peace, you go and extend peace to others. You are stepping out in faith, and you're saying, God, I want you to use me. If not right now in this initial conversation, maybe down the road, and maybe Maybe you don't even know how it'll end, but they may be on their way. But all of a sudden, they saw a picture of Jesus in you that was real and it was forgiving and it was gracious. Or maybe you need to go ask for forgiveness. So you pursue peace because you hurt somebody and you never apologize and you don't care. You don't want to and you've held on to the grudge. Well, God cares. And it would make a difference in obedience if you went and said, can you please forgive me for this? 
And as you do that, you are inviting the power of the Almighty God to work through your words and your heart toward that person. Do you realize that? This isn't a mental game, a check something off the list. You're saying the power, the resurrection power of Christ that lives in me flows through my words and my actions. Me just showing up and saying, would you forgive me for this? You have to get in a long explanation. Just that happened. I haven't ever talked to you about it. I just, would you forgive me? I've asked God to forgive me. Would you forgive me? It doesn't matter if the response is good, bad, or indifferent. You've done what God's asked you to do. You just pray it would be received well. But again, sometimes those are time release. And the blessing comes in time. And you have to be okay with that. I have to be okay with that. I remember doing that when my parents were divorced after a number of years, trying to relate to my dad. And I felt like he was being held back in our relationship because he felt guilty. And I wrote him a letter and then we followed it up with a conversation. I was trying to pursue peace. Still a difficult relationship through the years. Had to do the same thing with my mom. Some gnarly situations. Had to be released myself had to make sure they knew I wasn't holding a grudge. I was trying to pursue peace. Does it ever happen with coworkers? Good thing it never happens in a church, though. I don't know. Because <laughs> you know that all the staff have halos and they float around the, the halls of this church, right? And every time we go into each other's office, we bring a plate of cookies and we hug first. And the, Like, we're all human. You have a bunch of sinners living under your roof at your home. We have a bunch of sinners under this roof at this place. And we have to extend love and forgiveness and grace. And we try to do it, obviously, with the direction of the Holy Spirit. And praise God, he's protected the peace and the unity of this staff and our elders. But we do that because that's important. You'd want us to do that, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want to know if there was really, oh yeah, behind the scenes, I'm sure there's some, you know, I'm sure there's, right? You probably assume that. Oh, I'm sure there's, there's another story. I want to tell you, there's not another story. We're human beings, yes. We have faults and weaknesses and make mistakes, but we all live in the grace and the righteousness of Christ. And the peace of God has invaded every person on the staff and every elder on the staff. And from that place of peace, we can extend it to one another and extend it to you guys. And from the place of peace that you can live in in Christ, you can extend it too. Back to us, the other people you're sitting with, your family members, at a whole nother level. To someone who's freaking out about ever going to a mall again, ever going to a Christmas party again, ever going to a large gathering, a concert, or a sporting event again. They're freaking out. Nope, not me. Nope, never. Nope. Okay, but if they ask you, what would you say? How do you forgive? How can you pray? How can you display that you're experiencing his peace and it's from God, it's not of yourself? When you've experienced it, you can extend it. When you've embraced it in your heart, people know. So here's the question. This is where it gets really practical. Can you identify in your life a person or a situation that currently lacks God's peace? How do you identify that? What makes you anxious? What do you think about it all the time? It's just not right with that person. There it is. 
Maybe you can't get past your past. Someone wounded you, an organization wounded you, a church wounded you, an individual wounded you. You're holding on to it. It's defining and giving direction to your life, and it's nasty, and you need to give it to God. You've done something, and you can't forgive yourself. Well, God forgives you, and he wants you to walk in that forgiveness. But is there a situation or a person in your life where there's a lack of God's peace? He's wanting to fill you with his peace today so that you can go be an emissary of his peace. So here's what you do. You start praying about that situation and asking God for insight. Because right now as I'm mentioning it or you think of that person, you're getting a little anxious. Just the thought of it. Just the thought. The, I'll go along with Gordy because he's preaching up there. <laughs> okay. Or you might not. You're just like, nope, not even going there. But that's a place to start. Even if you're saying in your mind, nope, not going there. Just tell God that. Just say, nope, God, not going there. But I probably know I should, right, Lord? And the Lord's going to go, you're going to get the big nod from heaven. Yep. Whenever this kind of comes up in a sermon, someone will typically come up to me and say, like, so are you saying that that person that was physically abusive to me, an ex-husband, wife, a situation, I should go back to them. It's like I've been told to create healthy boundaries. Yeah, I think healthy boundaries are fine. You need to be forgiving in your heart before God and to that person. But if you have a situation, come talk to a pastor or a staff person for some insight and some counsel, biblical counsel about that situation. But we tend to push towards certain extreme things and then not do much of anything or with those that we should have freedom to go extend peace so who is it in your life right now or what situation or is it a past event that you need to pray about and just give to God and then embrace the peace that he's going to send you through his Holy Spirit? It's going to require faith. You're going to have to step out. You're going to have to make the call. You're going to have to send a text. You're going to have to get together for a coffee. You're going to have to travel across town. And so will I if we really want to apply this. Then we know the peace of Christ isn't a mental thought we agree to. It's actually a growing reality in my life. His peace is ruling in my heart. Colossians 3.15, look at this. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Why do you think you put the and be thankful? Why is that there? Seems kind of out of place. Wait a minute. He's talking about peace of Christ, rule in my heart, and be thankful. You tack that on. Is this what you do when you write scripture? You just tack on the thankfulness thing? Why that? You start thanking God for the peace you enjoy with him. You get kind of enamored, like those angels. You erupt once in a while with gratefulness in your heart and love in your heart for what he spared you from that you deserved hell and punishment, destruction, and the rest of it, but he spared you from that and forgave your sin and invaded your heart with his peace, and you camp out on that for a little bit, and you celebrate it a little bit, and you talk to others about it, and you just go, man, I was rescued. I was lost. I was rescued. I've been established in Christ. And you become thankful, and you're thinking out of that thankfulness to God, or out of that peace that I have with God, he's blessed my life, and he's given me this, and he's protected me from this, and he's never given up on me, and his grace and compassion is always there, and I can always count on God, and you know, when I run astray, man, I can come back his open arms all the time, I can run to him, I can, 
You go, yeah, thankfulness, thankfulness. I'm grateful for God. I'm grateful for what he's done and will continue. I'm grateful for his promises. I'm grateful I have the unchanging, powerful word of God. I'm grateful that God will never change so I can tether my rope to the hope that's in Christ and that's stable. I'm grateful, I'm thankful, I'm grateful, I'm thankful. I'm so incredibly thankful. From that place of gratefulness, because you know what he's done for you, and you think about it once in a while, not just on Sundays, and you meditate on his word during the week, and he's invaded with gratefulness, okay? From that place, let his, his peace rule in your heart, and then go extend it to others. Thankfulness always changes your perspective, and it frames what God wants to do through the power of his Holy Spirit. So a couple of reflection questions. We'll wrap it up. Where in your life is the most, is it most difficult to experience God's peace? Is there a fear or anxiety that you need to confess to him? Secondly, how can you extend God's peace to a relationship or a situation where it's needed? Jesus came into a chaotic world as the Prince of Peace. He came to bring his peace to your heart to change you from the inside out so that by embracing the power and reality of his peace every moment, no matter what the circumstances are, past, present, or future, then you can be one to extend his peace. And that all has to happen in faith and by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't generate it in your own strength. But aren't you glad he lives in you to help you to obey him? And then you see the fruit of life-changing things happen as God directs you. Well, we're going to have the worship team come up and we're going to worship a little more. We're going to have an offering, which is an opportunity for you to express your worship in that way as he's been generous to you, be generous to his work here. But then really just to pray and to let the Lord know the contents of your heart right now. Just pour it out to him. He loves you. He wants to hear from you. So talk to him even now. Let's pray together. Father, we pause in your presence with gratefulness on our heart for the peace that you've given us through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you elected us to be your very own sons and daughters. Thank you, Lord, that your peace and your forgiveness washes over every part of me, my past, my present, and the mess-ups and sin of my future. You cover it all, Lord. Incredible God, you're so gracious and compassionate to me. Thank you, Jesus, for being the Prince of Peace and ruling in my heart. Father, you know where there's not peace right now. We just want to give that to you, that relationship. That sin, that memory, whatever it is, Lord, please. I give it to you. Remove the burden and weight or guilt from it. Heal my heart as you fill it with your peace right now. Can you thank him for his peace? Thank you, Lord, for that forgiveness and that peace. Thank you, God, for being my father, Jesus, for being my brother, Holy Spirit, for being my guide and my power.
power to live. And now, Lord, as I'm experiencing that peace even this moment, I thank you. I pray we continue to wash over me this day and into this week, the rest of my life, Lord. And I pray that as it washes over me, it would continue to flow through me to those tough relationships, those tough situations, wherever there's lack of peace in this world. Please, Lord, give me what I need to represent you and your peace to them. Jesus, I'm asking for a change. And I'm asking for your help right now. I really believe you can do it. I place my faith in the promises I've heard today. And I look forward to being a different person in Christ, a new creation with new things being birthed in me, even more of your peace this day. Thank you, Lord. And I pray you'd continue it and keep helping me, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit that lives in in me. Wow. Thank you, God. We worship you, Lord. Receive our worship and our praise now.